Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 96 and today I am joined by fellow scientific triathlon coach James Teagle. Before we get into the question we have for today with James, big thanks to our sponsors. First, we have Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. They make electrolyte products that you can match to your individual sweat rate and sweat sodium content to make sure that you adequately replace the sodium that you lose, sodium being the most important electrolyte to replace through sweating. And this becomes more and more important the longer the events or workouts be become and also the hotter the environmental temperature on precisionhydration.com you can take a free online sweat test which consists of just 10 questions in a quiz format based on your sweating experience personally and uh, that will give you a free hydration strategy that you can use in racing and training to give you a really good idea of uh, where to start when it comes to dialing in your hydration strategy and, and really get it spot on. Precision hydration always tell you that this is not the be-all end-all but it's a perfect starting point to start experimenting around and trialing around and uh, then you once you have that starting point it will be so much easier to find what is actually the the perfect spot for you to be in. You can get 15% off your order of electrolytes with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. As you're probably aware, Roka started out as a wetsuit manufacturer. The idea was to basically create the fastest wetsuit in the world. It started in a garage in Texas. But uh, today, Roka obviously, in addition to wetsuits, make uh, tri-suits, swim skins, and many other lines of uh, triathlon and endurance sports equipment. But also, in the last few years, they have made fantastic headway in the eyewear industry with both performance sunglasses and, uh, more recently, starting with prescription glasses. The same culture of innovation that led to Roka's Maverick wetsuits being worn by some of the best swimmers in the world of triathlon uh, it's also present in the eyewear engineering and manufacturing with for example things like geco anti-slip technology a superb material with super light products as a result and exceptional optics you can even update your prescription right from your home from your computer with a vision test that is available through roca's website when you're going for the prescription glasses or sunglasses you can get 20% off your order of Roka Eyewear or any of their triathlon or endurance sports products, of course, with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Now, without any further ado, here's Q&A number 96 with coach James Teagle. Welcome back to the podcast, James. Uh, good morning to you. It's nice to have you here. Hi, yeah. Good morning. It's, it's nice to be back and nice to speak to you as always, Michael. Cheers. And uh, let's just start by rereading re the question so we, we know what we're answering and the listeners know, know what we're answering as well. Uh, this one is from David who asks, uh, Hi, I'm a long-time listener of the show. I'm 42 years old from the northwest of England. With no triathlons this year for me, I decided to train my weakness, which is the bike. So at the moment, I'm doing a crit training plan. While I know this isn't in any way geared towards the steady-state efforts of a triathlon, will the greater top-end capacity allow room for my ftp to grow question mark i seem to have stagnated recently and i'm hoping a new stimulus may give me a bump david so uh, yeah let's we broke this up into a few different uh, discussion points and, and the first one is from the question it's not really clear whether david uh, currently only does bike training and only focuses on that crit plan or he does that but also has the swimming and running around it so without making any assumptions uh, what are your thoughts around focusing only on one or maybe two other disciplines? Let's say that in this case, he is only focusing on the bike to tackle that. What, what would your opinion be on that, James? So, yeah, like you say, without making any assumptions, I think we have to take two, two things into account. So it is very athlete dependent, in my opinion. Uh, so the first point would be actually, is athlete specific? <laughs> Get that word out. It's also goal specific. So when I make, when I say athlete specific, I mean, you know, you got to look at your sporting background and actually what your strengths and weaknesses are. So for example, if you came from a college swimming background, you're probably not going to benefit that much from doing, you know, high proportions of swimming. Um, 
actually when you look at your races. So you're probably better off, yes, focusing a bit more time on the bike and, you know, it's probably spending slightly less time on the swim because it, it's not going to hold you back so much. Um, you've also got to look at the the actual dependency on how much time you have. You know, if you've only got 20 hours, if you've got 20 hours in a week, you've got a lot more time to really focus on things. Whereas you've got 10 hours a week, you know, actually being specific is going to be rather hard because I, I you know, in my opinion, you still got, you, you still, when you're training for triathlons, got to keep in some running and some swimming. I would never advise an athlete really to, to take them out um, unless maybe you're right at the start of your season, uh, in which case, you know, because you're so far away from the event, you probably get away with it more. But but still, that would be very rare to tell an athlete to do that. Um, so, yeah, looking at time availability as well when, you, when you're looking at your athlete-specific um, factors. And also, actually, how much stress can you handle? So, you know, if you can handle a lot of stress on the bike, for example, you're doing a big crit block and like, like this athlete is, you're doing a lot of crit-style sessions as your specific type of training. Can you handle that? whilst still maintaining your swim and run um and i think i think that's really important to look at as well um and then going on to the to more goal specific things so actually how far away from the event are you you know i've already covered this off but actually i would you know if you're really going to focus on something in my opinion for, for most athletes and you know this probably is i'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot here because there's probably going to athletes out there who are really really you know outliers but actually you're probably better off doing it further away from race day so you can nail those race specific processes. So, you know, you don't want to be doing this four weeks out, really focusing your cycling and, you know, forgetting about your swimming and your, and your running. Um, because, you know, they're going to be critical to the race as well. Um, and then you've got to look at the racing you're going to do. You know, is it drafting, non-drafting? You know, what's the competition? Is is it is it sprint or is, is it an Ironman race? You know, actually, how important the different events are really you know cycling swimming and running really depends on, on what kind of racing you're doing for example if you're doing draft legal racing focusing your cycling and not really focusing your swimming when swimming is you know still something that's you know important is is going to be you know to your disadvantage so again i know not many listeners here will be draft legal but actually um you know if you go backwards in your swimming so you you go from front pack to second pack but your cycling's improved actually how much is that going to help you um you know, and the same thing could be applied to, to anyone who's who's racing across, you know, different disciplines. So actually, if you are going for Ironman, but you're going for the win, you need to be pretty solid at all three events. Um, if you're just going for an Ironman, you're trying to get around and you know you, your bike is definitely going to limit you, then yes, focus on your bike because actually maybe you're already able to do the swim and the run without too many issues. Um, yeah, I think that covers it off. I, think, I know I blabbered a lot there. <laughs> is there anything you want to add? Um, no, not really. I think I think that the the thing that I want to uh, to just re-emphasize because you already mentioned it. I would also never completely take away uh, the all any of the disciplines. Like always have some sort of maintenance. And for somebody who doesn't train a lot, somebody who trains, let's say five times per week, perhaps like focusing on one discipline might look might look like three bike sessions per week and one swim and one run. Still have that one swim and one run. Don't don't take them away completely. And uh, and then you covered off a whole lot of different scenarios, so that's uh, great because that gives the the most amount of listeners uh, some useful takeaway points. But and in this case with David, he's obviously not racing this year. He writes so himself in the question. So so that basically means that what you said there about don't do this close to your race uh, that he's got that covered. So it's it's a good time for him to potentially do this. But we still believe that. Uh, that he shouldn't he shouldn't just let his swim and run go still do do swimming and running so so if we go into into that then like you are you we think that it might be a good idea depending on the athlete and the goal and the time and so on a good idea to focus more on one specific discipline cycling in this example uh, then how what is my question here really um yeah so how much maintenance w- would you recommend doing on the other and how would you like to uh, to do that, uh, to the, to do that maintenance. Well, that is, you know, that that is really dependent on the athlete, and again, really dependent on your event. And that's going to be horrible listening to me. I will stop saying that. Um, but it, but it really is. Um, so, uh, to give examples, you know, I've seen some very very good athletes who have come into the sport and couldn't swim, um, but were fantastic runners. And actually, you know, they they did take you know really take their run volume down um, a fair bit. 
and you know, not really focusing on their cycling too much. So it's kind of maintenance. So maybe maybe one session a week of, of running, you know, as a session. And then, you know, these guys are probably running six, seven hours and then, you know, two to three hours of everybody running around that whilst they focus on their swimming. And, you know, they really up their swim volume. Again, they weren't doing that near races. Um, they're doing it a fair way out. Um, but, yeah, in... <sighs> In percentages terms, you know, it really depends on how many hours you're doing. But, you know, if you're 20, training 20 hours a week, then I think it's fine to do, you know, if your weakness is cycling, so maybe spend 20% of your time in the water, uh, 6% of the time on your bike and 20% of the time on the room. But, you know, that's going to look a lot different to someone who's only training 10 hours a week. You know, they've still got to spend, you know, 25% of that is only two and a half hours. So, you know, if you're spending two and a half hours in a swim, I'd say, you know, and you want to be a decent athlete, I, th- I think that's important. You know, you might spend five hours on the bike and really focus on that and then never two and a half hours on the run. But that's that's what that's what it means when you say specific to me. And that, that's kind of what I'd say for an athlete as well, that that's specific. We're really focusing on cycling, you know, if we're doing you know, 60% of our time rather than 50%. Um, and maybe, maybe just distributing the stress to those events a bit more. So maybe actually they are just aerobic sessions so your swimming is is just aerobic with a couple of sprints and your running is like I say one session with which isn't too hard and the rest is just aerobic and actually mostly intensity you know if you're like like this guy is saying uh, he's doing a crit program that's gonna be quite intense so most of your intensity comes out on the bike because you've got to manage that stress as well actually you can only manage a certain amount of stress in the week and it's just depending on how depending on how you distribute that with, with the time you've got that makes sense yeah, yeah, it does. And by the way, that leads me to another question uh, for those listeners that may not know: uh, What does a crit training program mean? Actually, can you can you describe what what a crit event is and what what the training might look like, just in uh, as a very brief overview? So, a crit race is essentially a race with uh, you have it's a bike cycling race. It, it is a cycling race. It's a draft legal cycling race around a circuit or around you know maybe a town centre or around like a. A racing track and typically they'd have a lot of sprinting out the corners so it'd be tight corners and you're sprinting and then you'd be going so you'd be going above ftp and you'd be going you know in, into that you know real anaerobic energy you know through two max anaerobic kind of uh zones out of the corners and then you'd settle into just below ftp between them so uh you know in the straights and you do it repetitively repetitively and, you know you might spend an hour just basically sprinting uh going easy sprinting going easy so like an extreme fartlek session so that's that's what a crit program for me should be training you for is actually it's going to involve a lot of time at, with efforts above ftp and then maybe a bit of time with efforts you know slightly below ftp as well um that's what i'd understand a crit training program to be uh in this case i know probably there's probably some other descriptions of it but, but that's what i understand it to be and that's how i describe a race anyway a crit race to be something where you're doing a lot of sprinting and then um, settling into just below FTP. And these races typically last, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, that's obviously outliers, but that's how long they typically last. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I'd agree about what, what that program looks like. And and I think one of the points that you you mentioned there is that you mentioned maybe having one one session on the run and some sprints in an, an aerobic swim. Uh, this is a point that I also made in my notes here that, that I do think that you should include a little bit of intensity in the other in the maintenance disciplines to to get a stimulus, but not so much that it takes away from the work you're putting in in the main focus discipline. You should like the priority when you are focusing on one discipline is very obviously going to be uh, that main discipline, but specifically also the main sessions, the hard sessions of that discipline to make sure that you can actually perform to your potential in those sessions. So so I think that that's sort of a balance to get right because. You, you might not want to, let's say you are running, I don't know, you, you're doing two shorter runs per week because you might be a time-strapped athlete and that's all you have time for if you're only trying to maintain the run and you're focusing on the bike. But and one, but then, so then basically you want to have some intensity in one of the runs to to get a little bit more bang for your buck. But but you need to find that balance. You, you don't want to go out and smash yourself and make it a 45-minute time trial that will then make sure that you can't hit your power targets in in the bike that you have planned for the next day which is more important yeah yeah that's certainly what, what I'd, I'd agree with that as well um so yeah i mean you're trying to balance the stress of a week so that you can take those you know, key sessions off in the, that specific discipline um but you also don't want to it's maintenance you don't want to go backwards really on, on swimming but swimming run. you probably will a bit if you you know if you're far enough away from the event and that's okay but um 
yeah, I think it's, you know, just balancing out the stress of a week to make sure that you can really hit those those key sessions in that specific discipline. Um, and that, that is athlete dependent. It depends on, you know, your background in the sport and actually how much stress you can manage. You know, if you've done endurance training for a long time, you can probably manage a bit more stress in those maintenance disciplines um, than someone who's you know, not, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think that, well, you mentioned it many times already, but how much time you have available is a key here. So so I think for somebody who has less time available, then you might have to accept that you might go backwards a little bit, as you say, in those other disciplines in the run and the swim. Uh, if you're training uh, eight to 10 hours per week, for example, and you want to focus on the bike, well, actually, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time to to do swimming and running. But you should do a little bit and you basically you need to try to minimize the loss in those disciplines and then make sure that you get the most out of your of your bike training uh, whereas if you are somebody who has 20 hours per, per week trained then i agree you you don't really want to go backwards in those disciplines you want to to try to maintain them or or at least get very close to maintaining your your fitness level level in them and you still have enough time to to focus on on the bike there so so i have a couple of examples here with with the sessions let's say you like a key session for you has been on the run four times eight minutes at threshold maybe what you do in in the maintenance period is you do two or three times eight minutes instead of instead of four times eight minutes to to sort of get 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 a stimulus but not make it too taxing yeah i mean that, that's the kind of thing that you'd be doing yeah like you say you're trying to make it so you're getting a stimulus but you're not adding that you're not overdoing it with the stress because um, actually like i said uh, quite a few times already you, you can only handle so much stress in the week really um so you're just trying to balance out that the amount of stress you, you're doing um and actually with your goals and yeah as you said and as i've already said if you've got less time available you're probably gonna go a bit back you backwards slightly because you know, the stress you've got or the time availability you've got um is going to make it that actually you're going to have to focus a bit more and spend a bit more energy on those specific sessions, the area you're working on, rather than you know those areas that, that aren't that aren't key. Um, and I think it definitely applies more to that applies more to to more beginner athletes than it does to advanced athletes. I think beginner athletes are going to struggle more with actually balancing out the time and the stress in the week than maybe an advanced athlete would. I think you know this is generalising, but most advanced athletes or you know those guys who've been training for a long time probably have a better ability to, to handle that stress and therefore could uh you know maintain their their sport their their disciplines to, to a greater level than someone who's just begun so what do you think a beginner athlete a more beginner athlete should take into consideration if they are let's say focusing on the bike uh for for a period and uh, they're doing a little bit of running and swimming around that but how how do you think they should basically just approach this and and think about this should it be that they yeah like in terms of intensity and and uh, yeah specifically intensity i guess should they maybe like reduce the intensity in the main in the focus discipline to make sure they can balance it out and just uh just basically accept that it's going to take them a bit longer to get uh, get the bike back up back to the level or up to the level where they want it to be or should they like maximize the intensity they can do in the main discipline and maybe reduce it in those uh, maintenance disciplines and, and accept more of a backward progression in them uh, what, what's your take on that i mean yeah my, my take on it is i mean this is again athlete specific so uh if we've got someone who's focusing on the on the bike i'm guessing that that is their weakness um that that's what's holding them back and that's why they're focusing on it um and you've hopefully been doing this a little way out from from racing that so you have enough time to, if you do go backwards in those maintenance uh, disciplines, you have time to, to, you know, really push them on again. Um, yeah, I, w- I would balance it out um, with, if you're a beginner athlete, I would take a bit more stress out of out of those specific sessions because actually if you're only just beginning, you haven't done a lot of, of riding, um, you know, being riding in, in this example, being, being the discipline we're working on, um, then you're still going to get some stimulus and still going to get some adaptation from from doing extra volume in that anyway, um, or increased volume in that. Uh, whereas, you know, when you're looking at advanced athletes, they've probably got to push on the intensity a bit more because they've already done a fair bit of volume. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably how I'd do it. And, you know, I wouldn't be worried about taking a bit longer to achieve your, your goals because actually this sport is about consistency anyway. So I'd much rather see an athlete spend, you know, six weeks doing it then, then four weeks uh those two numbers are, are 
come up the top of my head. Um, then you know, then blowing up at four weeks because actually it was too intense. You know, triathlon. You know, it's been, really been drilled into me, and it's something I drill into our athletes as well. Is actually, it's going to be the consistency of taking off sessions. You've got to do it consistently, week in, week out, uh, to get that kind of you know to get the most out of yourself. There's no such thing as a superhero session. So I'd hate to see beginner athletes going along and, you know, doing a superhero bike session, really smashing it, and then not being able to do anything for the rest of the week because because I have seen that before. Um, so, yeah, uh, in conclusion, because uh, <laughs> I know I've blabbled a bit, yes, take take some intensity out of it and just, just increase the volume if, if you are a real beginner athlete and that is something you're going to struggle with. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And and the way that I would prescribe that or try to control that in, in coaching would be basically setting a session RPE limit for those hard sessions. So uh, let's say they have a threshold session on the bike. I would say, look, this session should feel no harder than an 8 out of 10. If you get to the point where you where you feel you can't achieve that, then uh, either reduce the intensity a bit or maybe that's the, the time where you actually skip the last couple of intervals because because you've already achieved the target for today and it's better to to stop when you have the ability to still recover in time for the next session and come back and and uh, fight that next day rather than as you say be forced to take more days of recovery or just get into the vicious cycle of of trying to absolutely smash it day in day out because you can get away with that for a time but then uh, eventually it will catch up to you and you won't be able to push through anymore and actually at that point it's too late and you will probably have to have a couple of weeks at least of off of intensity because you you took it too far and you can no longer hit the intensity no matter how hard you try so basically having a bit of a cap of on on your effort in those intense sessions can be a good thing for the beginner athletes to to make sure that you get the balance right and i think you know you hit nail on head there i you're much better off slightly underdoing it and overdoing it, in my opinion, because if you have to take a couple of weeks off, look, you're probably just going to go backwards, so you just wasted four weeks of your time. The two weeks really intense and two weeks off, um, you know, you're probably not going to see anywhere near as much adaptation as if you're just doing it consistently and slightly easier. Um, you know, you can you can always tell these things. You know, if once you get used to, you know, your power and you know your efforts, and I think for a beginner athlete, it is hard because it's hard to control. You know, it's hard to actually quantify how hard you're working and how much you've got left in the tank. Um, and you know, there are going to be you are going to make mistakes for sure. Um, you know, no one's going to go along. You know, I, I nailed every single session I did all my life um, because no, no one's ever done that. I think you no, know, unfortunately, as being an athlete, part of this learning curve is going to be actually how far can you push yourself and, and how far is too much and actually what is eight out of ten? What does that actually feel like? Um, yeah, you, you can do things like see where your power is starting to drop off, uh, for example. But actually, you have you have got to go and get, get the experience of doing that as well. So I don't want beginner athletes listening to this thing. Uh, you know, I don't really know what 8 out of 10 is because I don't think many people do uh, when they first start the sport. Um, I, you know, it just it's just you've got to make those mistakes. But when you make those mistakes, you've got to learn from them quickly. And that's going to that's going to be what helps with the consistency. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of the benefits of coaching, obviously, that you can just fast track that progress through the learning and the education that the coach gives you around that and, and the discussions around like what did this session feel like and the coach can help guide you in that direction. But uh, let's move to the specific question here in terms of, so we talked about the the advantages and the things, to, the considerations that need to be taken when doing a focus block like this. But the specific question here that David has is, can a crit training plan specifically on the bike be a good choice as it might allow uh, his FTP to grow and by building the top end? So what are your thoughts around that? Well, um, it's, it's actually really tough to, to answer this question without having seen David's data. So the answer is potentially. It really just depends on his weaknesses. So, um, you know, I think the first thing that you've got to do if you're in David's situation is actually measure your uh, functional reserve capacity or, or W prime. Um, and that W prime would, would represent your ability to work above critical power. So it's a fixed amount of work that could be formed above critical power. Uh, and, you know, it depletes, its depletion rate depends on how far above critical power you are. So critical power, you know, I'm using that interchangeably for, with FTP because it's essentially the same thing. Um, but essentially you've got FTP and as soon as you go over that, that level, uh, you start to deplete 
uh, W prime, which is which is like your battery. And the further above FTP you go or critical power you go, the quicker that uh, is depleted. And from testing, we can see actually how much uh, how much W prime you you have. Or you know, again, I'm using W prime and FRC interchangeably. So just be, I know I'm I'm doing doing that. So just be aware of that. Um, it's a real bad habit I've got. Um, but yeah, you can see how much you've how much W prime you have. Uh, so how much anaerobic, you know, how much ability to go above critical power you have, and therefore that getting those results from a critical power test, you can see actually where on the scale you, you'd be. So I'd say anyone with less than fifteen thousand joules of uh, W prime is probably a diesel, and probably needs to push on their their uh, their, their ability to produce energy uh, produce power above FTP. Uh, whereas you might have someone like I deem it to be a Ferrari. Uh, with you know two thousand joules of of energy uh, as their as their W prime, and actually it's not really going to be that beneficial uh, working on doing a crit program um, if if that's your case. You know, as it when we look at triathlon, the most important number really is is critical power because that's what you that's your highest work rate. You know, over a bike leg, the higher critical power is, the lower the overall intensity of a bike. So I think that's the key number, and I I do think it's important not to get too bogged down with, with the B prime, you know, critical power is the important number. Um, but yeah, W prime is important. And I think it, it is again, race specific. So look, I don't know what kind of racing David wants to do either. Um, but actually, when you look at his percentage of FTP in, in a sprint, you know, he's going to be a lot closer to FTP in a sprint and possibly going, you know, above it. So depleting that W prime, then he should be an Ironman. So maybe if you're doing an Ironman, you know, there's not as as great a need to do uh, that work in W prime. Um, you know, again, athlete specific. I've seen some very interesting athletes, and I have done some work on W prime environment athletes, um, but a long way away from racing. Um, and then again, you know, if you're draft legal, um, you know, having a good W prime is, is really advantageous because you're going to do a lot of sprinting. You're going to have to go out of corners, and actually, you don't choose. When you don't choose how hard you're going to ride, it's kind of determined by the pack. So, you know, if someone puts an effort in, you're going to have to respond. And, you know, if your W prime is, is depleted and your FTP is not enough to, to keep up, you're going out the back. Um, and, you know, again, looking at stochastic native courses, so you might be doing an, an, an individual uh, Olympic, so you might be non-drafting Olympic and actually going up hills. So, again, uh, quite a lot of corners. It, it's important to have a W prime to, to deal with that. Um but it is very, it is very event specific. So even in draft legal races, where I'd say it probably applies the most, um, if you've got a very flat course and and the race turns into a bit of a roll around on the bike, or you know, actually it's not, there's not many breakaways going away, or you know, it's a solid effort at around FTP because your FTP is quite high, and you know, you don't really expect to be going that much harder than it. Then actually working W prime probably wouldn't help you so much. But you know, you're going to turn up to some races in the year where W prime having a low W prime is definitely going to be a limiting factor. Um, I would definitely focus on having after done a crit style training program. I'd, I'd definitely do a focus on FTP just to make sure that's as high as possible. Because, like I say, you don't want to be you know having a, a W prime above two thousand uh, joules, uh, twenty twenty thousand joules. Sorry, not two thousand. Yeah, above twenty thousand joules, uh, and then an FTP that, that's you know sixty seventy percent of you know, your VO2 max because your FTP is still going to be the most important number there. Um, does, does that all make sense? It, it does, yeah, yeah. And, and and I would just draw the attention to the fact that there is a correlation between a high a W prime or a high FRC and and a high VLA max as well. Uh, it's uh, there's it's, it's a correlation, like they're not the same thing. That, that's not what it means, but there's a correlation. And so if you are somebody focusing on, on especially non-draft racing, steady state riding, and especially when it comes to the longer races, but even things like an Olympic non-draft, depending on the course, as you say, uh, that the course really has a lot to do with this. But, but then you don't want to have that, uh, that VLA max too high and equally a too high FRC or W prime could be an indication that your uh, that your your critical power or your FTP is uh, much lower than it could be uh, because basically you're you're too glycolytic. So so that's uh, that's another aspect of it. One more thing that comes to mind is that even though uh, 
the what w prime is one of the the main the main things that you're trying to to work on for your crit program i also think that's potentially like a one main effect or even a side effect would be that it could be good as a vo2 max boosting uh training plan and in that situation i do think that a lot of athletes have vo2 max as a limiter and and it could be actually a really great thing to to get that up and and even if you are somebody who doesn't necessarily benefit from from an increase in w prime then like taking that uh, if you can also get a vo2 max increase can be fine in many cases and then you can you can basically work on your threshold exactly as you said and bring that threshold closer to your vo2 max so as david also asked in his question yes i do think that it can be potentially a good thing to to raise his ceiling uh, by increasing the vo2 max through that crit plan and and then that allowing his room for his FTP to grow, but uh, it comes back to what you first mentioned when you started answering this. Like you would like to see his data, you would like to have have him go through some sort of testing and and see where he is, and and that's how you can make the ultimately make a, a good informed decision about whether whether that is a, a good type of training plan for him to focus on his weakness. Yeah, I mean that that's ultimately why you know you wouldn't just give everyone the same training plan uh, because yeah it could be great for david but david this could also be the worst thing you're doing um it wouldn't be terrible but it could be something that you're kind of wasting your time doing it uh but hopefully hopefully it's not and hopefully it's you know this is a limiting factor Hope, you know like you say i, I do agree with vo2 max uh you know actually you know from forget coaching from from an athlete side of things i've done a lot of training like this but i race draft legal and you know in terms of raising VO2 max I think I think it is quite useful um but yeah I think I think like you already alluded to and I've already alluded to it's very athlete specific um so yeah yeah you we won't see a David uh, data David really yeah now uh, another related question to this how would you think that these things that we've been discussing so far uh, apply to swimming and running if one of those disciplines is your weakness uh, is it essentially the same things we've already been talking about or are there any spe- specific considerations for those disciplines that, that we should mention for those listeners that might be in a position where they want to focus on one of those other disciplines yeah i think i think there is i think it, it does apply to swimming and running as, as well definitely um but there are definitely areas you know we need to consider uh, when we're doing that so the first thing would be i wouldn't just go and apply the same amount of intensity from your bike program and put it into a run program uh because of the injury risk and again it's going to depend on on your history as an athlete and actually how much intensity you can handle so if you're an athlete that gets injured quite easily um you know you wouldn't want to be doing the same amount of intensity that i imagine david is doing in his in his crit program um swimming swimming's different you know you can I think you can handle a lot of intensity in swimming, but actually you've also got to take into account the limiting factors when it, when it comes into each sport. So yes, if you are an athlete who is definitely limited by their ability to go, you know, at VO2 max intensity, um, because that, that's kind of what I deem this. I deem the kind of program to be more of a VO2 max intensity block when, when you put it into swimming. Um, you've got to make sure that your technique is not falling to pieces whilst you do that, because there's no use you know you you're doing really hard efforts in the pool but your swimming economy basically which is what what uh, I, I mean when i say swim technique is falling to pieces you've got to have good swim technique and good swim economy to make you go faster through the water um it's so no use just flapping your arms about so i think that's definitely something to be considerate of so actually can i hold my technique while i'm doing these sessions and, and is my technique good enough to actually propel me through the water um and yes, on the, on the running side of things, just looking, just being wary of the intensity and looking at actually how much, how much intensity you can handle and where you're, where you've been injured in the past or actually where you, you know, if you know yourself well, actually what is the limit to, to how far you should push yourself? Um, that, that would be my considerations. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And, and just a couple of uh, things to add on the running side, I, I would say that you can do some or even all of your intensity probably some not not all but some of it uh uphill that would uh, decrease the the impact forces to make it slightly more safe less risk, riskful to, for you to do the intensity but but that's that's not an excuse to go and do the same amount of intensity that you would do in your bike training program that's just to make the intensity that you actually can handle on the run 
even a little bit more safe than than it already might be and, and maybe increase a little bit but definitely not to the same amount of intensity that you would have in in a crit training program because yeah it's, it's just simply the nature of, of the sport that running is the, the one where you're most likely to to get injured and uh yeah with, with swimming uh, i think that as you say you can handle a lot of intensity but don't forget about technique also don't forget about uh, the base endurance i think that because of the fact that or because of the way that for example master swim squad or squads are run it's it's sort of uh, i guess inherent in many of us that actually you can go and and do four or five swings per week and they can all be pretty intense and yes you can get away with that but i actually think that you're missing a lot of the point a lot of development because it is an endurance sport so actually you need to make sure that that you still have the endurance training in the swim as well just like you wouldn't do five intense bike rides per week or five intense runs per week you would have that 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 aerobic endurance in there but in the swimming i think it's much easier for athletes to kind of just forget about that and not realize the importance of that as a stimulus in its own So, so i think that's that's something to consider as well with the swimming yeah and i think it's also uh this is you know around this point also actually how you measure whether you need to i know this is probably the next question as well but actually measuring what your weaknesses are uh is slightly different i mean you can perform a critical power test or look at your frc running if you're running with power um but actually maybe the test is slightly different and you know especially if you're looking at swimming you're probably obviously you can't swim with power um so you're probably looking at different you know different ways of measuring it so you know you're probably looking at your times and how it's falling to pieces you know as you go up so maybe you look at your 100 meter time your 200 meter time 400 meter time and 1500 meter time to gauge whether or not you need to work on your swimming and whether actually that kind of vo2 max you know which is again what what i'm calling this uh, is a crit program in a swim um what is actually that area you need to work on um i don't know if you agree with that michael yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think that the way I sort of thought about this question is more about the general aspect of of uh, block blocking or a focus block in itself, not so much whether it's a max block or a threshold block or whatever it is, volume block. But but just yeah. But, but well, I guess that otherwise, if we if we don't like limit it to some way, we would be here discussing this all day. But uh, but but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of intensity in general, I would say the exact same thing whether we're talking about threshold training or vo2 max training there's still the same things apply you can't do you can only do so much threshold training on the run before you really run the risk of of injuring yourself and with swimming uh, as well like if you once you we all notice if we've done like a 2000 meter threshold set that it's very easy for your technique to to really fall apart so so maybe you need to sort of draw the line somewhere to to make sure that you get the technique and and even though you think that you can do threshold swimming every day the same thing applies you you need to get in that aerobic endurance as well so so yeah that's that's where i was coming from with with that sort of question not so much just the vo2 max block, but the block focus in itself but yeah, but yeah you, you alluded to it, to it already the the final uh, part that we are going to discuss here is just a general thoughts around how to make better, more educated guesses on what is actually the type of training that you should be doing to to get the most benefit from these types of, of blocks or in general just get past the plateau. Yeah. Um so there's a there's as I'm sure listeners know, there's there's loads of loads of tests out there. And uh in terms of this question, so around the crit training and whether or not that would be useful for you, I would actually want to work out you know, my FRC W prime. Um, so I think the easiest way to do that is to use some software like, like WKO and actually just input a one minute max, a three minute max, five minute max, 10 minute max. Uh, so a multitude of different uh, different e- different efforts across different durations. Almost, uh, put that into WKO5 and it will give you your FRC. And your FRC is low, you know, you need to work on it. If your FRC is quite high, then, you know, don't worry so much about it. You can do that with critical power as well. So plot your critical power as a straight line. So you do an FTP test to, to work that out. Uh, on the y-axis, you'd have um, uh, power. On the x-axis, you'd have time. Um, and, you you know, plot y equals mx per c, where uh, m is, so the slope of m is, again, critical power, and the y-intercept is c. Uh, the y, the, the intercept is, is a... Is W prime? Um, so I muddled that up, <laughs> but yes, that, that's how I do it. If you didn't have WK five, um, 
and other things I want to know. So, so you've come out of that and you've, you've worked out actually where your FRC is and actually whether that's a limiting factor. I'd also want to know just because I'd be interested to know actually what my limiting factors are. Uh, I'd want to do a VO2 max test and maybe a ramp test uh, to work out where my second threshold and first threshold are. Um, so yes, we get these, they, we get the, we get these numbers off, off Garmin or off, uh, off your training device at prediction VO2 max. And, you know, I've had some, interesting results when i compare that to lab testing um i don't know if i've fed it the right data i haven't really gone into that too much if i'm honest um but i want to know what my vat max is and i want to know what my can you give an example of that how how they have differed the, the vat max from your garmin and the lab test so uh so for example I've, i've done a lot of lab testing um so when you get your garmin device and it you know it usually goes something like um you know, you've got a new VO2 max, uh, you know, might be like 67 or something, you know, you've done a great workout, you've got a new VO2 max. And, uh, you know, I know for a fact that it's because I haven't probably fed it with the right data uh, that it's not actually near what I've had tests in the lab. And I've seen it across uh, most of areas. And, you know, it also depends on whether you're keeping your weight up to date. Um, but I think the best thing to do is to go and test in the lab if you can. But yes, I don't think it's a bad proxy if you feed it with the right data and you, know, you consistently... Uh, training with that Garmin or training with uh, that, that computer, I, I think it probably could get to a fairly decent accuracy level. Um, I don't, I don't know too much about that, and I don't want to get into actually how accurate that is um, because, uh, yeah, I haven't done the research around it. I just know that actually, in terms of my when I've looked at it and, and what I know of the athletes I coach and and, and myself, I'm not seeing it to be terribly accurate. Um, Uh, just to chime in here I, i'm not super familiar with the actual algorithms behind it but uh, but i've read a little bit about just the like the takeaways around the accuracy from independent writers and uh, researchers and and uh, and i actually think there are some some peer-reviewed papers on this but i can't remember anyway yeah my takeaway would be that actually i would not trust it <laughs> at all the, there are basically yeah a lot of places where it can go wrong It's and it's actually something. I think that one issue is that it depends a lot on heart rate, and and I think that's an issue. And I I see it in the caloric estimations of my Garmin's when it estimates calories for me because I tend to be a low heart rate kind of uh, kind of athlete. Like it's just way way low, and I know that I'm expending a lot more calories for for a run than than what my Garmin estimates. And and I think that that's basically a big fallacy. I think they make some assumptions around heart rate that that just don't apply. They might be good on average, but they can be horribly wrong on the for individual athletes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of what I was trying to say. And yeah, I just I just don't want to get too involved in in that argument um, because I know there's going to be people out there who who really strongly believe in it. But yeah, I, I don't think it's that accurate uh, in summary. But yeah, go and do a VO2, going back to the original question, I go and do a VO2 max test if possible, a ramp test, work out where your thresholds are. And then you can see, you know, what is what is limiting you. I think I think that's really important. You can see that actually, if your second threshold is, you know, eighty five to ninety percent of VO two max, actually, you need to push on your VO two max. So maybe then uh, you could go and look at your FRC because I think that the most important values in triathlon are your first and second thresholds. So you need to know where they are uh, because actually they're going to determine your race result. Uh, you then go and look at actually are they being limited by your VO two max? And if the case is yes, uh, you need to push on your VO two max. Um, and then it might be a good idea to do something like a crit training program if your racing is you know, going to be quite stochastic or you know you know you're going to spend a lot of time above critical power. Um, and let, they're the tests I would do. Um, you could obviously do a, a bit, uh, inside test as, as well, inside test as well to, to um, actually work out where your VLA max is. Uh, and then, as you already alluded to, uh, there's a correlation between VLA max and how high your DB prime is. Um, so that would be quite useful as well. Um, so they are the tests I would do um, in summary yeah 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 I, I would agree with that do some sort of physiological uh, testing also obviously like work with a coach who can use their experience in, in working with with athletes like you and determine based on well, your your situation your athletic and physiological profile what might be best for you Co- coaches that have have had that experience in the past they they are in a good position to to make much better educated guesses on on what might work and then but if you're uh, doing this yourself then basically test one variable at a time like for example you might start by doing focusing on 
on volume. Just increase your volume. Don't change your intensity at all on on your one focus discipline and do that for a few weeks and see see how that works. Maybe you do something like a some some sort of critical power test uh, before and after, and then you can get some specific data around that. And then then you can do a block where you do some sort of specific form of intensity as your focus. Maybe you do some VO2 max sessions because you determine that that's where where you're lacking. You're limited by your VO2 max. Your your threshold, your FTP is already at a high percent of it. So so you can do that. But basically, to get a better ID, work on one, one variable at a time. It could even be something on the workout level. Maybe maybe you're just need to make your long rides longer uh, that could be a great thing for for racing your first threshold in particular to to do some really good sort of long rides if you're only ever going two hours try to build that up to to going four hours on a, on a weekly basis on the on the bike and um, yeah so test test one variable at a time there are plenty of options but those are are a few examples and and some other things that you could do is to Look at your um, 30 to 90 day training intensity distribution. If you're using training peaks or WKO, you can do this very easily and see in what zones. Obviously, make sure that you have your zones set correctly and so on. Uh, have you been spending time and uh, see if there are areas that you really haven't touched much? And then basically just um, have have a discussion with yourself. Would are those potential areas for improvement? Or actually, is the reason that you haven't touched them much that actually you don't need to touch them much because they aren't your weakness? So just because you haven't been training a particular zone or area doesn't mean that you should. But looking at your training intensity distribution can give you some some ideas, some starting points for where you might want to take your your training next. And and then finally, especially if you're working with uh, WKO, look at your power duration curve. This is a bit of what you already mentioned, James. If you have a few maximum efforts of one, three, five, and ten minutes, then then you have a good power duration curve. WKO actually only requires three maximum efforts, so you could have a thirty-second max effort, a five-minute max effort, and a twenty-minute max effort, and you would get really good good data. And and if your power duration curve is very flat, meaning it's quite low power at the short end, so your five-second power and your ten-second power and your thirty-second power is is relatively low, uh, then then it might be. Well, those are just if you're a cyclist, obviously a sign that you could work on your on your top end power. For a triathlete, you might be more interested in in how does your five minutes power compare to your twenty minute or one hour power, and and basically that way you can get an insight into what what parts of the curve you need to to work. But do note that using the the power duration curve is something that it requires good data in you need to make sure that you have good data in good data integrity uh, so it's it's very easy to come to incorrect co- conclusions using it so so be careful with that you need to be you need to have a good understanding of how to use it to actually use it effectively but but when you get to that level then then it's a very powerful tool yeah definitely um yeah i mean i just add around that i think i tried i alluded to it earlier uh, different disciplines so uh you know i know this is questions around cycling but Maybe if you're swimming again, I would go and get some some data. You know, you don't you can't measure power, but I go and do it across um, different different uh, durations or different uh, events. So maybe like a like I've already said, like a fifty meter, a two hundred meter, a four hundred meter, and you know if you're quite an advanced athlete uh, who's who's not going to fall completely off a, off a wall at fifteen hundred meters as well, and just see actually you know actually because when you apply this kind of thing to swimming, you, you don't get the power duration curve because there's no way of working that out so you kind of have to use those times as a proxy to see actually where you need to, to push on yeah yeah and and in terms of testing for the swim maybe your test would be a video analysis maybe you are actually quite limited by your technique and that's something that the video analysis can can reveal and and your focus might not be so much on the intensity side but just on on ironing out some some technical flaws and Obviously, like I think that it's something that we both agree on that unless you're like really a beginner in terms of swimming and, and somebody who's really slow and, and just getting started with it and learning the technique, that, that's a different story. But if you're somebody who's been swimming for a while, then it doesn't mean that you completely skip intensity just because you have some technical mistakes to to figure out and work on. But it, it simply means that maybe the main focus of your next few weeks isn't so much on the intensity, even if you do some of that, but it's more so about getting your stroke a bit improved. 
yeah, I always think of it. I know it's slightly going off topic, but because uh, I do a bit of swim coaching as well uh, with the swim squad, and I always say that actually, yes, it's important to have good technique, but you got to have good technique when you're swimming at, at race pace um, because you know actually that's where you want to have good economy. And if you're never practicing race pace, you're never practicing swimming race pace with good technique. Uh, and I just like to, yeah, I think I should throw that in there. You know, yes, you can get really, really technically good at swimming very slow, um, but it's not going to help you on race day. If that's the case. Totally. All right. Anything else we should add to this, James? Or are you happy with uh, what we uh, what we covered? Um, I think I think I've blabbled on enough. Um, I hope I made sense. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm happy with, with what we've covered. Yeah, I think so too. I think this uh, this covers a lot, both in terms of the specific question and and uh, the general theme around it. So uh, thank you so much for for joining me for today's Q and A, uh, and look forward to chatting on uh, on another time in the future on on the Q and A or or another podcast. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed that Q and A with co-hosted by James. Keep sending in questions for future Q&A episodes to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and that's Michael with a K. You can find James on Instagram. His handle is at james underscore teagle. And of course, he is on scientifictriathlon.com on the coaching page where you can read more about his bio and his coaching and so on. And on that note, if you are interested in coaching or training plans, whether they be ready-made or customized, Uh, You can find more information about all of that on scientifictriathlon.com. Go and check it out if you want to take your triathlon performance to the next level. Big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get your free hydration strategy for your next race and get 15% off your order of electrolytes with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, tri suits, swim skins, goggles, and high performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses, and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. <laughs>